Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned Podcast, a place for changemakers to cultivate their intuition and foster greater impact in their everyday lives. I am your guide, Sydney Bloom. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I'm really excited to focus today on talking a bit about energetic boundaries. You know, when I think of my own period of major spiritual awakening, it actually happened at a time that I was rising in my career. I got my first really big job and suddenly I was manifesting all these different things and I would go out into public spaces and just feel because I'm a very um, clairsentient person. My psychic senses pick up in my body on what's happening around me and what the people around me are experiencing you know, I would go out in public and feel like, whoa, like riding the streetcar is intense. And I think, you know, you listening may resonate with that because you don't need to necessarily identify in a psychic way, although you may, you know, we are always picking up on energy around us. That's a part of the human experience. And so when we start to work with our energy or when we start to have these moments of connection that we may not even be intending for, then it can really amplify that sensory experience in life. So part of why I'm talking about this is that whether it's cultivating intuition or whether it's actually learning to manage your gifts, these are both things that I work with a lot. And so for me personally, part of how I've come into my intuition is that I used to always do my meditation and do my spiritual channeling while I was in the subway. This is a very non-conventional way to channel. I think a lot of people would expect, you know, spiritual teachers sitting at home meditating or sitting underneath a tree or, you know, we have this image of somebody up in a cave somewhere just receiving all the wisdom of the universe. And the way that I work is I've always done it in the train. And it's actually something that I had dreams about in high school. So in my adulthood and during my career and to this day, I live in the east end of the city of Toronto. And when I was in high school, I did not know that part of the city at all. I lived in a midtown neighborhood, which was like a ways away from where I live right now. And at that time, I didn't have like a major psychic awareness. I didn't have a concept of myself in my intuition, but I had very, very vivid dreams. I would have a recurring dream that I was riding eastbound on Toronto's subway on the Bloor line. And each dream, there would be some storyline going on. But the thing that I would always take away was, wow, I'm riding eastbound on the Bloor line. And it was so interesting to me because in... My life in high school, I I would ride one stop on that subway line and then I'd have to get off and go to my high school. One time I did a class project with someone who lived in the East End. And so I actually had the experience of riding out East. And what happens when you ride East on the Toronto subway is that two or three stops after Bloor Station, the tunnel opens into this magnificent bridge and you're overlooking Toronto's Don Valley and... I get shivers just saying this to you because for me, that was what I was experiencing in that dream. It was the thrill of the opening of the tunnel and riding east. And even to this day, I have dreams that I am going further and further east. And what's been really interesting, and I know this story is a little bit of a tangent, but I always had this feeling 
that I needed to go further east. And now it's funny because I live way east. I live in a part of the city called Scarborough that I never even knew where Scarborough was growing up. But I have so many stories about my dreams and the subway and moving east. So anyway, in my 20s, when I was going through this period of major spiritual awakening, and when I got my first big job, for the very first time, my downtown Toronto experience expanded because I had to take the subway east to get to my job. And when I went to the job interview for the first time, I got on the subway and I rode east and I rode those couple of stops east of Bloor Street and the tunnel opened and I rode over the Don Valley and it suddenly dawned on me that I was in that place that I had been being shown as a teenager. I was riding in the right direction. You know, I get chills talking about it because it's not like I threw a party on the subway being like, woo, my, you know, my recurring dream from high school was actually a clairvoyant prediction of my future. No, I didn't experience it like that. And I don't think our intuition is like that. But what happens is you just have a moment where something makes sense to you. And it suddenly clicked into place of, right, there's something about me riding east that feels really good. And my dream showed me that. And I went to that job interview. And it was a very long process. I actually have some really fun manifesting stories. I'm going to save it for you in another episode about the actual process of getting that job. Because the stories from that experience are a major part of my psychic development. So all of that to say, I was in this period of expansion I was in a major job for the first time. I loved the position that I was in. We were taking a program that was an award-winning program in the city of Toronto, supporting mother-led families that were experiencing homelessness and providing a holistic housing-based initiative to support those women to remove the barriers that were on their path, to find stability in terms of housing first, and then also childcare and education supports and internship opportunities and mental health support to really build a wraparound model. And so when I came to that job, my job was to work with communities outside of Toronto who were really interested in that model and to provide resources based on the Toronto experience so that they could adapt the model to their local place and the local needs of families there. Anyway, I would take the subway to work, go and do this job. Sometimes I would have to travel to other regions to help them, you know, initiate their programs. But I was always taking the subway back and forth to work. And what would happen is that my meditation, my time of tapping into my intuition, just naturally would happen while I was riding on the train, going to work and coming home. And so many of you know that I'm really big on intention setting And so having my transit ride was always my way of priming for the day. On the ride there, I would sometimes play the same track for two minutes and just get super grounded and envision my day going beyond my wildest dreams. What would, you know, what could happen? Giving thanks to the energy of all that is, the great mystery for supporting the best and highest outcomes in my day. At that time... I would often go to work, do my job, and then I would book a client for right after work. But I would take the subway home from work. I would do my channeling on the train. 
I would open up to the energy and I would start to receive messages. And then I would go home and the client would come and we would do their session. Now, I think of that as being a time of major intuitive expansion for me because I had the most validating experiences with those clients. I've actually been trying to remember when did I really start to know and feel confident in my intuitive abilities? And my answer to that is that it doesn't happen all at once. It takes time. And so during that period of life, there were also a number of things I was working through personally where I just, I needed to do some healing work. I was overcoming a relationship that had ended. I was navigating some of the challenges of being a young career professional in a very senior role. I was navigating being in a different city from my family. You know, there were a lot of personal things going on. And even though I look back and feel very, very clear that it was actually a super intuitive time of life, I don't think I fully understood what I was connecting to and how I needed to manage my energy until I started seeing clients face to face. I started to really understand the scope of my own intuitive gifts. And what happened very quickly and why I feel like this topic is so important is that my energy became very unbounded and I was receiving information not just during sessions with clients, but in a way that actually physically caused me discomfort and interrupted my workday and interrupted aspects of my personal life. And I had no concept that that wasn't normal. So talking about energetic boundaries is really important personally. And when I work with mentorship clients who come to me for energy management, and they don't say energy management, you know, they reach out to me and say, uh, things are happening. <laughs> things are happening. I'm super intuitive and it's kind of scary. And I think I have to deal with this. I know we're going into an energy management situation because I've also been through that. And so the story I want to tell is that I would always open my channel on my way to work, set my intentions, do grounding, do meditating. And oftentimes what I would do, which I do not recommend, is if I had a client after work, on my way to work in the morning, I would actually open my intentions to receive information for my client so that over the course of the day, I would get little nudges and little downloads and little hints of what I should be noting to remember to mention later. Different intuitives work differently. Most of the time now, I just channel straight up when I'm working with a client. But when you're starting to build your confidence, it's natural to want to kind of get some information in advance just so that if you get nervous in the moment, you have something to draw on. Now, what I didn't realize was that things would come through so strongly that it would become an impediment in my life. So the story that I want to tell you is that I had a day at work where all day my left contact lens was bothering me. It was bothering me to the point that I finally had to go to the bathroom like in the middle of a meeting and take my contact lens out and I realized the lens was completely cracked. I couldn't put it back in my eye and I didn't have my glasses with me. It wasn't in my rhythm to bring my glasses along in my purse. So what I ended up having to do was finish the meeting blind in my left eye I had a couple of more calls I had to make, do my calls, blind in the left eye, and then I think I was able to move one meeting so that I could take the subway home, go get my contact lenses or my glasses, 
Then I had to come back to work because there was another meeting that I had to be in person for. And remember, this was around like 2011, 2012, before we were doing Zoom and before working remotely was an everyday type of thing. So the expectation was, if you weren't at the office, it's because you were sick or there was something very serious going on. But in any case, I could not see out of my left eye. I'm very blind without my contact lenses. And I was able to work my day in a way that nobody really was fussed over the fact that I had to pop out. For me, though, it felt like a huge interruption. So I went home. And of course, again, I ride home and I go over my bridge where I look out at the sky and I channel. Every time I'd go over that bridge, I would do my channeling. And I was thinking, wow, like this is very significant. When am I ever not able to see because my contact lens breaks? So finally, I get my stuff, I get back to work, I wrap up my day, I do some more channeling for my client on the way home. And of course, this woman comes in, we do the session. And suddenly in the middle of the session, I get the message that it isn't my blindness in my left eye for my contact lens. This is somebody who's been experiencing that. So I said to her, have you been having blindness in your left eye? And she was shocked. She said, yes. How do you know that? And I laughed and I said, well, I've been blind in my left eye half of today because my contact lens broke at work. But as the session was unfolding, I realized none of that was my energy. I had opened to her energy on my way to the office. So there's that. <laughs> I had many, many other experiences like that where I would open my energy on the way to work and start receiving information for the client over the course of the day. And along with specific notes that I would make and thoughts that I would get, most of my psychic senses come in through my thoughts and I can just write it down. I started to get very extreme physical symptoms and it became very confusing because I would go through a day thinking, am I sick to my stomach? What's going on? Only to sit down with a client and in the session understand this person has had a very serious gastro condition or what have you. And so it went on for quite a while. And when I think about these experiences that I've had, whether it's not being able to see out of my left eye for half a day, and then realizing that that's because my client themselves had been experiencing blindness in their left eye, or picking up on people's emotions or picking up on other physical sensations that my clients had, I think it's easy to think, that this is just something you're going to have to deal with, that you'll go through life uncomfortably picking up on all of these other people's energy in your body. And for me, what I decided to do, and I don't think I actually had anybody guiding me through it, so it made it a little bit more painful. What I decided was that it would not be wise to continue opening my energy into my client's energy at the beginning of my day. I decided to just continue doing my meditation on my morning subway ride when the train would open onto the bridge and I would see the glorious sky in the valley below. I would connect to energy of spirit, but I would connect in the way of expressing my gratitudes and in receiving information that would serve my best and highest good with ease, grace and love through my day. And I would not invite in energy of my client until my ride home. I think there was a period of about six months or a year where I was having clairsentient experiences that were getting more and more extreme around different people that I was working with and receiving messages for them. And so by trial and error, I basically decided that if I was meant to know something and give my clients information about their health, 
it needed to be shown to me in a way that would not interfere with my body whatsoever. And so I set my intention that spirit would make me know what I need to know for my clients through means other than physical sensation. And it worked. <laughs> and so I'm letting you all know that because I think it's easy to think that we're stuck receiving information through our intuition in the ways that we currently are, rather than thinking of your intuition as a muscle that you can train and build and shape in ways that feel good for you. And I think that's very, very important. And by the way, I only ever tap in to serve someone's best and highest good. So when something painful comes up, it's always because there's a step or a way forward that will then serve them. Similarly, I hold my intentions for myself that I am now only receiving information in ways that serve my best and highest good. I'm not a channel to just receive in whatever way will come. It has to feel good. It has to feel okay to me. I think a lot of people, as they open to their intuition, feel like they just need to accept whatever's coming. And that is not true at all. In fact, there is a much more boundaried way of setting intentions and holding your session or doing your channeling and then afterwards closing your energy so that you can receive when you want to receive and then go back into the world without being in like a super heightened energetic state. Energetic boundaries are really important personally so that you don't then go walking around in the world picking up on every little thing that's floating around. And I know that this is important because the times that I haven't closed my energy, I start picking up on all kinds of things. But I actually think it's really, really important from an ethical perspective to close your energy and to not be trying to read people. So I'm never dipping into my intuition with people as I move through life, unless they're coming to me for energetic services. You know, when I set my intentions to serve my best and highest good with ease, grace and love, I will get intuitions through the day that help me navigate what I need to be doing or where I need to be or how I should show up. But I think when you are going about your daily life and you're also somebody who's opening to your intuition, it's very easy to start probing around to see what you can pick up on. Part of why this is important isn't just to protect your own energy, but it's also out of an ethical responsibility as somebody who is intuitively sensitive. So I have cultivated my own system with the world of the unseen for navigating situations where they start to show me things when I have not opened up to it and not invited it. And the first thing that I do, which I think is really important, so for anyone out there who also is someone who feels super sensitive and you're managing your energy and you get these thoughts or feelings and you're wondering if you should say something, the very first thing that I do when I get a nudge about something is that I say, if this is really important, have that other person bring that up in a conversation. Let them ask me a question so that I can then answer and we can open up a conversation. And so sometimes the way that looks is somebody will ask a question, oh, do you have a vibe about that? They're just honestly asking, but because the question comes through, then it's a very safe and open place to say, well, actually I do. Would you like for me to share more? And I really strongly believe in consent in life. 
and especially consent around intuitive exchange. Public mediums who, you know, on TV are going around the world saying, you know, I have a message from your loved one. And an unexpected person receiving that message, you know, has an emotional breakdown in the middle of the grocery store because they were just out buying groceries and they didn't necessarily say yes to wanting to receive that information. So I feel very, very protective that any information that comes through to me, just because there might be a message from the world of spirit for somebody, doesn't mean that that person wants to receive it. So the way that I navigate these situations, because now we're not just talking about managing our own energy, we're talking about what happens when spirit energy comes through for somebody else, is that I always seek consent. And I also have a system that I use intuitively with the world of spirit, where I tell them to go back to the person, have the person ask me a question, and we go through that process three times. And if after three times of that spirit coming to me and asking, and me sending them back, the person hasn't brought it up, that is my sign from spirit, not that I need to do anything, because you are never under any obligation to do anything energetic. And I'm talking spiritually, you don't need to take guidance from outside of yourself ever. And yes, we can receive guidance. So maybe not literally, but you know, we can take guidance from others, we can learn, we can ask questions, but we're never under any obligation to do something that our intuition is nudging us to do or to do something that we believe a passed away loved one is guiding. That's, I think, really important to understand. Because I've developed this system of checks and balances, what happens is sometimes I actually do decide to ask somebody if they would like to receive a message because it's just so persistent. And when it comes through and passes my three-step test, what it says to me is that this is a really important message that will actually be healing and integrative for the person receiving it. And that's where, you know, as an intuitive, you don't want to miss the opportunity to support somebody if they consent to it, if it feels like a safe environment, and so on and so forth. I'll give you an example. So I was in a health and safety training, and I didn't know any of the other employees that were attending it because we were all new employees. And I was sitting next to this man who I ended up being paired with for some of the exercises. And so we were chit-chatting, and there was a very playful dynamic. He seemed super nice. As we talked, I learned from him that he actually had a very, what I consider to be a really difficult job. He was a, a overnight security guard in a residence for people who had formerly been involved in the streets. And so part of his job was to protect the residents of the building from people who might try to come in during the night. Anyway, so I'm sitting next to this man and he's told me a little bit about his work. And then the training continues, we eat lunch, and the training probably goes on for another four hours. Over the course of the afternoon, I start to feel the spirit of his grandmother coming and just tapping me on the shoulder. And I felt the little tap, tap, tap. And so I, you know, I sort of say to the world of spirit, hi, I'm in a work training. <laughs> this isn't the time or place. If you would like for him to have a conversation with me about you, why don't you go and invite him to talk to me about you? And I send her away with love so that I can focus on the training. 
And a little while later, I feel that tap, 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 tap. You need to tell him. You need to tell him I'm here. Tell him that I'm here with them. And she has this beautiful, loving message. And I'm saying to her, because as you all know, I have this strong code of ethics. And I also have this process where I don't want information from spirit without the person saying that they want it. So if she starts trying to explain to me why it's really important that he hears from her. And again, I say, thank you, but no thanks. Go to your human. I'm sitting right beside him. We've been chit-chatting all day. It would not be hard for him to say something that might give an opening for a conversation about you or about intuition. Like just, we can figure that part out. And all day she's, she probably came in 10 times during the training and I had to just tell her to please stop. I had honestly never given a message to somebody in that kind of a way before, but at that time she had come in so strongly and I, I felt like I might never see this guy again and I never did see him again, but it felt like it was really important to her that I at least ask him if he would like to receive it. And so I waited until the training was done and I just said, hey, can you stay back for a second? I want to ask you something and, you know, waited until we had some privacy. I said, I have a, a, a bit of an intuitive gift and I was wondering if there was a message from one of your loved ones who has passed away, would, would that be something you would want to receive? And he kind of looked at me and said, what? And I, so I said it again. I just said, there's no pressure. If this is uncomfortable, you don't need to receive. But I feel like I'm getting a message from somebody for you. And I wanted to know if it would be okay to share that with you. And he sort of smiled and said, sure, yeah, tell me what it is. You know, nowadays, when I do sessions with people, mediumship is a part of my gifts. And so when loved ones pop in, if you're in a session, I feel very clear on how I work in that gift. I don't work in a way of traditional mediums. I don't necessarily talk about how people pass away. I only bring loved ones through when they come in to offer support for somebody around the impact that they're creating in the world or to support their healing. And often they bring a piece of validation so that the person does have some kind of evidence that they know it is the loved one. So anyway, this gentleman says, sure, like, tell me what the message is. And so I said to him, well, do you have a grandmother that's passed away? And he said, yes. And I said, well, she's coming through. She's making me know she wasn't born in Toronto. And I said, you know, I don't know what this means to you. So I'll just say it. She wants you to know how proud she is of the work that you're doing. And she's been watching you and she wants you to know she's with you and she's been watching every step that you've been taking and she knows how hard it is and she's sitting here with you smiling because you've chosen to do this amazing work in the community does that mean anything to you and he he didn't like start crying but he sort of paused and I, it felt like a, a moment of emotion and he looked at me and he said you know, when I was a little boy, she was always doing work in the community. She's the only person in my whole life who was ever focused on really trying to help other people in the community. And I think she might have even helped raise him. But he said we were really, really close. And I always think of her ever since she passed away because I'm just continuing to do this beautiful work that she did. And I got the impression that there weren't necessarily other people in his life who fully understood it, but that when his grandma had been alive, this was what her mission was. And so he was continuing the legacy. And so I understood in that moment why it was really important 
that she wanted to make sure that he knew that she was with him and cheering him on and proud of him doing this super, super difficult work with what some people might consider to be clients who are among the hardest to serve. And so that day for me was a really important day because it was a day that forced me to look at what is my ethical policy around conveying messages from spirit to people. And it really allowed me to clarify for myself, I always seek consent. I say no to spirits if I don't want it, if it's not the time or place. Like I'm having my own human experience here and it can be really, really draining to have to be serving spirit all the time. And that wouldn't necessarily be helpful in my daily life. It would actually be really depleting. And so for me, that's the other bookend. When we talk about managing your energy, you manage your energy for yourself but you also have to manage your energy around how you interact with other people. And that in turn impacts your own energy as well. And I think this is a really important topic because whether or not you think you're a spiritual medium or a psychic, everybody, I believe that everybody has the potential to tap into their intuition and their intuitive gifts for people who are working to create impact it's all the more important that when you finish an experience, you allow yourself to take that moment of pause and grounding and gratitude. I really think that doing that helps us be more impactful in our work. So I just wanted to mention that because I think it's easy to, to imagine opening and closing and disconnecting from things as a spiritual thing, but it actually is just as impactful when we apply it to our everyday experiences. And by the way, it doesn't just apply to work. It can apply to social situations, experiences with family, experiences with friends. Think about going to a concert where you want to open up to this incredible experience that you're about to share with thousands of other people. And then when it's done, and you know, I can think of times where I'd be lying in my bed at home after a concert, still vibrating from the sound and the feeling of the music and the energy of all the people. That's a perfect time to then give thanks and take some deep breaths and allow yourself to close and release that energy. Having joy and gratitude and feeling empowerment around how we go about our lives then determines how impactful we can really be. And if you're exhausted and you're getting sick all the time and you feel like you're overgiving, that doesn't put you in a place to have optimal impact. You can barely get through a day if you're super tired, let alone be creative or produce the output that you want to create in your work. And so you don't need to be working in a spiritual sphere. In fact, why am I creating the Intuitively Aligned podcast? It's because I actually think that change makers, parents, people who want to have some kind of impact in the world, most of all need to learn to connect with their intuition and manage their energy so that they can feel good and they can create that impact. That's what this is all about. I hope that you found this topic of energetic boundary setting helpful. I would really love to know what you think of this topic and what you've learned through that practice. To our audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, share, or click the notification button on your podcast platform. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and a written review. This will also make it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you want to connect with me more, please join me on Substack. 
I will be posting longer form written pieces about my intuitive changemaker journey, as well as bonus audio content and having online discussions with the Intuitively Aligned podcast community. You can also find me in the Third Eye Library on Mighty Networks through Instagram at Sydney Rebeck. Yes, that's Sydney Rebeck without an A on the end or through my website, www.sydneybloom.com. I also want to give a shout out to our podcast producer, Wilson Lynn. And I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode.